Very excited to be joined by podcaster extraordinaire today, Gate 14's better half. I think we could get away with saying that, right? Uh, Better done up half, maybe. Better done up <laughs> half. Uh, Avery Chenier, welcome to the walk-off, my guy. Thanks so much for taking the time. Fellas, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There's no shade to Johnny. Love the guy. Thanks for having of me. Of course, <laughs> of course. And and Johnny has joined us numerous times. He even came down and... and uh, was a guest on our live show. So we love Johnny lots. Uh, congrats, by the way, man, on a hell of an off season for you guys. I mean, you're reeling in some pretty darn big fish when it comes to interviews. Uh, Kevin Gosman and Ricky T, those are some great interviews. Congrats, man. Well done. Thank you. I'll, I'll give the the kudos to John. Well, Chris Bassett got us Kevin Gosman yes. for sure. So he, him being our, our agent right now is <laughs> the best thing that could ever, ever happen for us. But no, Ricky, Ricky was pretty good too. And that came at the expense of Johnny's phone number being leaked to the world. But <laughs> when things work out that way, you're, you're pretty happy. He felt like he had to join you guys after releasing his number, eh? Yeah, no, you definitely blackmailed him on that one. So, okay, <laughs> the only way you can get back on that is if you come on. Okay, so we've got lots to talk about, Avery, which, you know what? Thank God baseball is back because as a fellow content creator, I'm sure you can say that sometimes in the middle of January, in one of the slowest off seasons we've seen in a while, you're scraping the bottom of that barrel to come up with something to to, to make, right? <laughs> yeah, when the... The interviews take over for that when we don't have to talk about random stuff where it's kind of like, oh, thank God we can talk to someone for 45 minutes instead of coming up with the same things to say every single day. And that's how you get people just mad at random things that nothing yes. has happened. Right. So I, I am happy that we'll get some tangible data to come up with on Saturday, at least so we can we can make fun of some spin rates. We can make fun of some velo. And we can get angry at that instead of some moves that weren't ever going to be made. It your DMs must be mind blowing because I know our DMs like blow my mind sometimes at how frustrated and angry and stuff people can get. But you guys must be a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, the the gay 14 account gets some funny things sometimes. <laughs> and I think I think, uh, yeah, just a run through of that is basically how people feel, because I know we will generalize oh, everyone on Twitter is mad at so-and-so. But then you got to realize that sometimes Twitter is just not real life, right? Not everyone in the world is on Twitter. But to us, that's all we know. So that's what we get mad at people also getting mad at things. But the DMs are, they're quite funny because everyone's mad at the same things. And Well, totally this is what I tell Adam. So I run the Twitter account. Adam's not on Twitter. That's he awesome. off living I... a very... <laughs> uh non-toxic life you know like he's just i i'm jealous of that because i'm oh, consumed so i'm consumed I'm, by my phone me too me too i'm just the, that the, the way you put it too is that twitter sometimes you just need to recognize that's not real life but it's easy to get sucked into it and get all like <laughs> no it's quite all it's quite right, literally watch. all all my life but it's yeah. not actually real life okay so the things we're going to talk about here on the show, Avery. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on right now on the free agent market and the fact that we're actually seeing uh, some team-friendly deals being signed with some tenured veterans that have, like, you know, that that 
track record. And it's kind of surprising to see some of the deals that are being signed. We'll get into that. Hinjin Ryu going back to Korea. So we'll touch on the Korean monster. Just what he meant to Toronto. Because honestly, man, like, uh, forget about just his performance. The door, I think, that he is opened to Korean talent going forward. I mean, you just look at what Achiro did in Seattle, right? I mean, very similar with just he his, and I'm not putting him on Achiro's level, but for Korean ball players, he really is, right? Like he's the top dog. So yeah, you you hear those stories about him going everywhere. I was here for his first start in Toronto as a Dodgers player. I remember one of the few games I went to that year. And it was filled with people just down the line cheering for him. So he he was a way bigger deal than anyone ever thought, I think. I agree. So we'll talk the Korean monster. I wanted your opinion on what it would take for this team to win 92 plus games. What has to happen? And then we'll go the other way. What has to happen for some of the naysayers that are like, this is an 82 win or even a below 500 team that's going to finish fourth or even last in the division. What has to go wrong for the floor to fall out? Uh, We'll touch on Aaron Judge just a little bit and the fact that he now has to have toe management for the rest of his career, supposedly. So we'll get to get real used to that term. And Danny Jansen, there's a lot of Jays fans upset he hasn't been extended already. I think it's being blown out of proportion. We'll get your feelings on it. And then finally, we'll end with uh, the fact that R.A. Dickey. Back in the Blue Jays camp, they actually have a knuckleballer in Jordan Powell, and uh, we'll we'll really quickly talk that. So let's start with uh, where this free agent market's at. These team-friendly deals have been a surprise the last week, to myself anyways. We watched Tim Anderson go to Miami, one year, $5 million. We watched Gio Urshela just get signed to the Tigers for one year, one and a half mil one year, one and a half mil for Ahmed Rosario. Randall Grishik, one year, two mil. Jerickson Profar, one year, one mil. Like, again, these are guys that, had you asked me at the beginning of the season, I probably would have guessed five million a year. You know, like. Yeah, it's, and then, I, I wouldn't put that for that number for all those guys. But you have to just think, the Scott Boris, finally everyone going back on him saying, hey, we're not going to bite with whatever you're doing. All the ways you try and manipulate to get more money for your guys, your guys aren't as sought after as we thought before. And it makes sense for these veteran guys. They don't want to miss two weeks of camp. That's going to, we saw Alejandro Kirk miss however much camp last year, and it seemed to derail his whole season, right? And I think the older guys know how important it is to be there for the whole time, get ready for the season. So it makes sense. They see all their buddies going off to camp. They don't want to stay home with their families, right? They want to go play ball too. So it's uh, let's get into camp. Let's sign a little team-friendly deal. The one that's kind of interesting to me is the Anderson deal because Miami's not going to pay a lot for that. But he at least he's a bet on himself deal, right? He could get he could have got more money somewhere else. I'm, I yeah. would almost be sure of that. But he's going to get to start. He is going to get the chance to make more money in the future because he bet on himself to be a starting shortstop at least for this season. What do you guys think about safe deal for the Marlins too, who could probably offload him at the trade deadline. If that's kind of the route they want to go. Oh yeah. If he has a bounce back season, he's going to have real trade value for sure. I mean, if he can hit more than what one home run, I think he's going to (laughs) upgrade over what he did last season. Yeah. So other than that, the deals, they're just classic old players getting deals to be on teams. I think I'm not, Mm. I'm not totally shocked. I think this is, 
kind of on par for every single season and we might do this same thing. How do you guys think it matches up like for the Jays in that season? Because I, I don't see any of these deals and I get angry that, oh, the Blue Jays should have made one out. of these. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's always the, the first thing that everyone seems to do is, hey, IKF got 3,000 times what this guy who I think is better than IKF got and he got term. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel kind of the same way. I look at this list and none of them. I mean, would Gio Urshela made us feel any better about what's going on at third base? I, I don't think so, right? Like, it's just another guy. Is he better than uh, Schneider or IKF or anything like that? I don't think so. Like, Ahmed Rosario is a guy that I kind of put a little asterisk next to. And I'm like, when the Rays do stuff like that and go get a guy like Rosario, 28 years old, for a million and a half, like watch him be a freaking all star. This well, anytime year. the but- Rays sign anyone, you're going, oh, <laughs> we should have had that guy. Yeah. That's gonna <laughs> suck. Yeah, but he what he went. That's a really good franchise. The Dodgers picked him up before too, right? So his last mm-hmm. two deals get him onto the Dodgers and then get him onto the Rays. So teams that we perceive as smarter than the Toronto Blue Jays franchise when it comes to picking up players have made a deal for Ahmed Rosario as well, but and. It was an article that I read on players who played through injuries all of last season, and he was right on the top of that list on what his projected uh, OPS was going to be and what it actually was. So maybe for him, the bounce back is there. And Ben Nicholson-Smith was very not pleased that Ahmed Rosario went to the Rays. So I got an, an, Well, nice BNS predicted that he'd get one year, seven million. So I'm sure even Rosario's a little like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes to search his name on Twitter. He says he should be making seven times what he's made. He might not be too happy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, out of curiosity, Avery, were you a little surprised by the amount of established veterans that signed minor league deals? And I know we see it every single year, but like David Peralta, even the Jays, Eduardo Escobar, uh, you know, Danny Burgers. We got even Frick, the fall of Jesse Winker. My yeah. God, dude, in 2021, Winker had an OPS plus of 143 and a slug of 560. And he's on a minor league deal right now. Yeah, and what, he he gave up on the Mariners that one year, right? He yeah. wasn't even with the team during the playoffs. Uh, two, and then never came back. Yeah, in 2022. Yeah. Uh, it, to me, it's more than I can remember the minor league deals, right? But it, it's also shown how teams, again, that's more data-based, if you have two bad years, the exit velos aren't there. I think they're ready to give a chance to a young guy with team control. And that's why it makes sense for the minor league deals as well, right? If you don't actually want those guys and teams have gotten burned so many times getting old guys, it's why you, it's now, if Matt Chapman signed eight years ago, he would have been one of the first guys off the board for six, seven years. But it's kind of how the game is changing and how you evaluate players and how they, who they give deals to. I think that's it's shaping how free agency has gone. And I don't I don't think it's for the better as a fan, but teams are all doing it for a reason. So they must think uh, in a different way than us. The Boris five used to be the Boris four. And now J.D. Martinez gets brought into that. But uh, do you see any of these guys signing? before the start of the season. Like, I'm almost starting to wonder if this is going to go into April like Bryce Harper did when he had his mega deal. I would I would be shocked if they don't sign before spring's over. I don't think any established veteran, maybe some of the pitchers, um, can be okay with not mm-hmm. having a full spring. 
Um, Because even look at some of the numbers, I do a lot of fantasy baseball for work. And I believe J.D. Martinez was really, really bad in 2020 um, because there's a guy who didn't have a full spring training as a guy who was already older. He had been in the league for a while. So mm-hmm. established vets like that not having full spring training, I think, is super detrimental for their output on this season. And I wouldn't want to pay a guy a ton of money for this year for signing him in April, May. Right. I just I don't see that as even a possibility for those guys to wait that long. Michael Conforto might be a good example of that as just like pushing it and seeing if he can kind of figure it out. I know there was injuries involved in that as well, but like, you know, when, when he started getting touted as, Oh, he's ready to play. And it was like July. Everyone's like, who cares? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it'll, it'll be funny to see how this kind of works out because as a Boris client, how can you really enjoy what's this going to be? Because the market seems to have, turned on him and how he goes about his business this year. It almost worries me that he's going to try and make it all back with Juan Soto next year. Now Juan Soto's he needs 650 million and he'll just get all his money back. This this is the thing with (laughs) Boris. It's like, it's easy to hate on him as a, as a team or whatever, but also the Boris five or whatever we're calling them, this, this boy band collection here. They're all so warted like they're who like he doesn't have it'd be different if Cody Bellinger was Juan Soto and Juan Soto was like still waiting for a contract on February 22nd. But it's like Cody Bellinger had a good year last year, but he also was coming off of two pretty scary ones, you know, leading into it. And again, Matt Chapman, we're all too familiar with. He doesn't yeah, have he a them, real he does want them being thoroughbred like they're, who's... They're perfect, exactly. Right. So. 100%. Juan Soto's going to dictate his own market. Yeah, Scott so. Boris isn't going to do that. So it does say something for that caliber of player, but there's so many more that caliber of player than there is Juan Soto's, I think. So it's... If, it, if go ahead, Cody sir. Bellinger was with a different agency, though, do you think he'd be signed by now? Like, do we think that it's Boris holding it up or is it Cody Bellinger is just a tough guy to put a price tag on. Which is a really good question because honestly, all of Boris's age are clients that are left. I mean, Avery, you mentioned it, right? They're, they've got warts. They're not perfect. And is it the Boris Corp, which everyone is so quick to blame. Everyone's like, oh yeah, this is on Scott Boris. But is it, or would they be struggling to sign these big term, big money deals with any agency? He's got a bunch of bruised bananas right now. Like, I, I totally agree that I think it doesn't matter who, but I think there'd be some more budge if it was someone else, maybe more mm-hmm. a willingness to take a three year more guaranteed than hey, be so set on. I mean, obviously, as a player, what are you going to want guaranteed money over a long time so you don't have to worry about this again? But if they think there's such good of players and they trust themselves over the next three, four years. I mean, I don't, these aren't guys who need to really bet on themselves because you've seen Chapman be a good player, major league level. Bellinger's been sick for four out of the seven years he's played in, but there there's something to be said about still taking the chance and trying to get you some more money even after this. And I mean, we could see it work out. Like that's the truth is that through this whole thing and this dragging the market down and blah, blah, blah. These guys could still get their money in term they want. 
Yeah, no, there's a there's a Yankees starting pitcher shoulder injury away from Blake Snell being on the team by Sunday. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. And on the and where the other guys like is there landing destinations that because I'm I'm set on Matt Chapman being a San Francisco Giant, and that's Bellinger maybe going back to the Cubs. I don't. I think. Chapman is a better fit places than Bellinger is. Mm-hmm. Avery, do you think, and I know there's been lots of talk about Matt Chapman maybe needing to take a one-year deal. I know that that's like the worst case scenario for him, but I can see him doing that over taking, let's say, a, a three-year 60 mil or something like that, you know, after the triple-digit numbers that have been put out by Boris. So, Maybe if he can get a one-year, $24 million deal, something that's just like over the qualifying offer that he turned down, right? Something just, there just that call he it can kind of like not, not feel like he got screwed over, right? So I think that there is a, a, a route for Chapman to get a one-year deal. What are your thoughts on Cody Bellinger needing to bet on himself for a second year? Do you think there's any way that man winds up taking a one-year deal or is this just a waiting game to see if he can get five or seven years instead of five? I think Cody Bellinger, there's no chance he does it. He, he did it already. How, how can he possibly think about doing that again? It's like, what, what would the point of that be? Because I think only worse things can happen. He, I thought he, he got very, very lucky last year. I, I don't want to throw seven if I'm, for the team, I would not want Cody Bellinger for seven years. I don't think um, he somehow, some way, and might it be approach, might it be actual um, stance, found a way to up his two strike hitting count by a hundred average points. Like the fact of him doing that again, I think, is very, very slim. And I would be shocked if he goes one year. I he can do. I think he's an easy three year guy. I see. I see it as like uh, six years with an opt out after one. That's the him betting on himself is like, okay, I'll do 120 million over six years, but I want an opt out after this season. And then if he does lightning in a bottle again this year, he can re roll it and and try for that. It is interesting because he is 29. So like, he's like the one guy on the market where you're like, well, maybe he could opt out after one year and get more money. I don't know, but uh, Matt Chapman, I'm so curious about Chappie. Like, so many different things could happen with that man. <laughs> that That's the one I'd be fine with, with having back on the team for yeah. next year. It kind of solves some, some it issues. It pushes here. our problem down the road, and I'm fine with that. I am... I'm the king of just pushing the problems, maybe a couple <laughs> days, a couple hours, and just feeling better about myself in that moment. Because I don't think anyone's ready to take take over that spot completely, at least from a defensive side. You can find you can find hits from anyone in the lineup. Justin Turner, you didn't even really see from him last year, but I wouldn't bet on him. The Roger Center, there's a YJ stat that he'll always say that more base hits go through the infield to Roger Center than any other park in baseball. So I, I'm almost thinking you can throw the statue of Justin Turner out there at third base because he'll make the plays out of right at him and the ones that are to his left and that are to his right, he just stands there, lets them go by, and whatever, we'll go on to the next guy. I mean, the pitching staff obviously loved what Chapman did behind them. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. 
it's just such a nice feeling knowing that that, you know, left side of the infield is going to be looked after. I mean, we watched what happened in 2021 with Kevin Biggio and listen, the, the little bit of time that Biggio played at third last year, very impressive. He looked much more confident. He looked really good there, but I think there's no uh, tiptoeing around what we watched in 2021, which was ugly. Yeah. And the defense is all encompassing, right? Because the team ERA is so good because the defense behind them is so good. So you're going to take a hit probably on the, but it's more the, the soft throwing guys. So Ryu stood no chance with bad third base defense. So that was perfect for him to have a guy there. Gosman splitter guy. If you're going to smash splitters into the ground for right-handers, they're going to go to the left side of the infield. Most likely make those routine plays, throw guys out. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all together. It'll be, it'll suck to see some bad defense, but if we can trade it for some offense, I think a lot more fans will be happy and fine with that trade off, even if it doesn't lead to more wins. So obviously uh, people love making a big deal about minor league deals on Twitter. It's everyone's favorite thing to do, but I am curious if you're just going to put a percentage chance on seeing these two minor league deals, the Jays made making the 40 man roster. So we'll start with Eduardo Escobar. What is your percentage chance that we actually see this guy in a blue Jays uniform? I think, I think both of these guys are, 75% 75% chance to make the team. Wow. They're they were brought in for re- Escobar was another guy on that list where his projected OPS playing through an injury so much different than his other one. They are they're brought in for reasons at positions that they need help for and that is the third base and then I guess they they're looking for power of the next DH spot and not believing Horwitz's power is going to play up this year mm-hmm. by bringing in Daniel Vogelbach as well. Cause those are two proven guys against their certain handness of pitching Escobar really good against left-handers Vogelbach really good against right-handers. So think they're brought in We're for a see reason. more splits this year. Aren't we? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think so. It sure is shaping. It feels like it's shaping up that way. And it's, it's a smart way to do things. You have to, piece a team together in a different way, right? If it doesn't work, it's the end of Ross after this year, I think. Yeah. But what he's done has it's they've been smart enough moves in my in my opinion. Are they fun moves for someone who doesn't really care about the team? Absolutely not. After they're beating the team's two fat allegations and bringing in Daniel Vogelback, that is a yeah. a tough look for a fan, but I think they're probably lost reason. 30 pounds and Vogelbach found them. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> it. You, I just will never beat those allegations, sadly. But so Chris Bassett, we were lucky to we text with him pretty much every day. And he said, Escobar, awesome to the Latin guys. He said he's an awesome clubhouse guy. And he said Vogelbach is the reason he's been in the league so well or so long. Sorry, is because he is so great in the clubhouse as well. So I think it's kind of shaping into a little bit different. Uh, of a clubhouse not the Brandon Belt's goofy way but you bring yeah. in Justin Turner we saw I don't know if you guys saw the video today of him and Kevin Biggio talking he seems way more of a coach than what Brandon Belt was doing last year I did see it and felt that exact same way and I I love the addition of Justin Turner honestly I think that it was um, a pretty low risk 
high reward type of signing, right? Like, I think he is going to replace Brandon Belt's numbers. I know that Belt was incredible with what he was brought in to do. But I think Justin Turner also is just uh, even a, a couple years older is uh, a little bit less injury prone. Let's put it that way. Yeah. there. So the report came out, I was reading something last year, that Justin Turner was the Red Sox leader by the time camp broke. And to show what type of player he is by doing that is it's a big compliment to him. And it's something that they need as well. The one thing that Chapman and belt for as decent as they were, they were two of the worst hitters in high leverage in baseball. So I think if people want to get so angry, you brought in a guy who has been one of the best clutch hitters in baseball over his whole career. So they're, they're tapping into something a little different you might feel indifferently about how those clutch stats add up over a long time. I was just going to ask you, do you believe in clutch? <laughs> I think some players have a knack for it. Um, but if you, you have a sample size. overblowing? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But it is, it's always nice to have a number for why, like when you're so frustrated at a player and it's like this guy never gets like my if my dad says that to me, he's like, this player stinks whenever there's runner on base. I think those people are really happy to have a stat to back that up for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if he knew about fan graphs, my dad would blow up my phone every day. So I'm 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 thankful he doesn't. But the I think that's it's a perfect have you stat. heard of this war stat, he keeps saying. Yeah. <laughs> exactly i think it's a good thing for people who want to get angry to look at the clutch stuff um but over a huge time like justin turner he's just good with runners on base that's all you can say mm-hmm. and again we'll we'll move on and, and start talking to ryu here right away but i i will say that you touched on it and and hit the nail on the head in that vogelbach has a skill set that this team was lacking which is power to the right-hand side. Eduardo Escobar, incredibly versatile. Even though he's been in the league 10 years, he's 34. So, you know, fingers crossed that there's still a little bit left in the tank. And if you look at his numbers, honestly, like seven of his, they're really random, by the way. You look at his career stats and you're like, this doesn't make sense. But like seven years he had an OPS plus above uh 115 and then three random right around an OPS of uh, plus minus of, of 60. Like, you know, like it's just like he was either above average or he just stunk. And I think that uh, last year was one of his worst years, but you kind of summed it up with playing through an injury. Yeah, I think it, it is very, it is very funny. He was, he's the guy who is in his last six, I think he's been, Two bad year or two good years, a bad year, two good years, a bad year. So I'm hoping that trend kind of continues and we get one of those good years here. But you're not a believer in Cody Bellinger. I like to think of it the price, the price wise. Right. I don't have to pay any of the money, thank All God. Right. And I don't care how much the <laughs> and I don't care how much the team spends. So just get them on the if Cody Bellinger was on this team, I might I spin zone it a little bit. Sure. But he but he's not on the team, so I don't have to care about him yet. Fair enough. That's very valid. Ryu. We're talking Ryu next. Scott we lost wins. him. Scott's gone. You can tell by his face that he can <laughs> hear us. 
Scott. Press one if you're panicking. <laughs> okay, sorry. My headphones cut out, and now if you're back. running out of air, tug on the line sixteen times. <laughs> sixteen times. We'll count them out. Fifteen times if you're fifteen fine. if you're safe. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's talk some Hinjin Ryu here. Uh, honestly, I remember the day he was signed. It was December twenty second. Uh, 2019, and it was the first, honestly, big deal that this Shapiro Atkins front office made. And despite the fact that maybe he was more injured than we would have liked to have seen, he battled through injury when this team needed innings. On top of that, he was an incredible mentor to Alec Manoa, something that I think a lot of people forget because Manoa had such a fall from grace last year, but he really was the guy who's kind of the mother hen to him when Alec Manoa gets called up 2021 because they needed starters, Avery. Like, remember 2021 when we were like, the bullpen's on fire and everybody's getting injured in the starting rotation. <laughs> and Alec Manoa comes up and Adam and I were honestly, dude, we were just like, this is a horrible idea. This kid's going to blow up. And then, man, talk about showing up. But there was something to be said for Ryu being there and being his guy, you know, to kind of shelter him and show him the way. And that doesn't get talked about. And then on top of it, Korea, I think, is open to Toronto for the next 10 years at least, right? Like, it really does give an inway there. When you look at this contract, Avery, uh, what did you like about it? What do you remember about Ryu's time in Toronto? And um, what do you see as maybe the biggest takeaway from his time here? I think it all kind of goes together. It was opening the gateway to bigger free agents coming to sign for Toronto. He was the first one to believe in the young core that was here. He comes off a year where he was second in Cy Young voting kind of had his pick of the litter of where he wanted to go. And he, he chose Toronto, which it wasn't the hot thing to do at that point after the couple of years where the team was brutal, right? So comes off an awesome year as an international guy as well. I think they're more open to Toronto than some guys who grow up in Texas their whole lives and yeah. play in the South. So it m made more sense. But I think I'll always remember him as being the guy who kind of started this thing, making Toronto the destination that, we always thought it should be, but after those couple of years of how bad the team played, it wasn't that. Don't think I guess you're the Kevin Gosmans right after, the Chris Bassett's, those guys, George Springer's signing right mm -hmm. after as well. He was the first step to get people to come here. And it's been a nice way with how poor the team has developed pitching that they're able to go out on the market and get good guys. They are good at scouting. Uh, pitchers who have already been established they haven't been good at bringing their own pitchers up so kind of maybe even a savior thing where these people are willing to take the chance on toronto the starting pitching market is at least but again like i said when i was there the first time and there's so many uh korean fans for hunjin ryu I, it's a little bit different because you spent some time in the dominican uh this off season right i think yeah. you you see how different the world enjoys baseball and it Every part of that seems more fun than the way we take in baseball and we watch baseball. <laughs> so true. So true, man. <laughs> yeah. I was I was uh, jealous when I saw you were there for all those Dominican. That seems that seems awesome. Honestly, Avery, it's uh if you're a baseball nut, and this is for anyone listening, 
it is so underrated. I mean, the Dominican's beautiful. Santo Domingo, one of the oldest cities in the Americas. It's, I mean, you're you're around churches that are like were built in 1535. You go to the ballpark, man, and the atmosphere is so different from the Western world. Like, yeah, I, I know, I know they're in Central America, but it's just like the way they take it in. They're not at each other's throat. Every it's like a big party, and it's much more um, in good fun when they're ribbing the the opposing fans, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of like tongue sticking out and being like, with <laughs> you know, like whereas like you know, you go wear your Blue Jays uniform in, or your Blue Jays jersey in New York, and you're going to be told the to fuck right off. Oh, yeah. And to go back to Canada. I can attest to this. Philadelphia, <laughs> like, man, did they love telling me to go back to Canada. <laughs> there, uh, my sophomore year roommate when I was at school, it was from Japan. And he, we played baseball together at school. And we went, our pitching coach at the time was Mike Pelfrey, who used to play in Major League Baseball. So he got us Royals White Sox tickets and we got the field pass, whatever. We went and watched the game. There was no more than 10,000 people there. And he said this is the most boring baseball game he'd ever watched in his life. <laughs> man, why why do you guys watch baseball this way? And I said, I don't know, man. I it sucks that we have to go through that. But there there's still some fun to it. But jealous how other people get to take in their baseball every time they go and watch it. It was cool to just experience such a different way of viewing it too. You know, it's 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 cool to see that it is becoming such an international game and that there is such a love for this sport that I'm like like a ridiculous nut about right so yeah, there's also something cool. to be said about going to watch baseball where you don't care about the teams playing yeah, man. each other I, it, <laughs> is, it is a nice stress-free watch I, I do enjoy that a lot okay we'll move on here uh from Ryu but before we do I will just also touch on the fact that he was a Scott Boris client and we all remember the Scott Boris rhetoric, right? The blue flu, Toronto doesn't spend. He really had a vendetta against the Blue Jays and their front office because he never got big contracts out of them. And it kind of opened the door to Scott Boris clients being interested in Toronto again. So we, I don't think we had a big fight at the office last year where my buddy said his contract was, was bad. And it stopped the team from spending. And I, I couldn't in good faith agree with him at all about how it stopped the team from spending because I think it opened way more doors than it closed with his contract. Of course, we would have loved to see him pitch way more than he did. And I kind of forget, he was decent last year when he came back too, when everyone had him out for dead. There was DFA him before he even got a chance to get back to the big leagues. But he kind of, he saved some innings for some guys there at the, Truly. Uh, down the stretch. Truly. Absolutely. Okay. You look at this team and I personally can't remember a team where my prediction of how they do varies so widely because I really can see a route and a way to this team being a 92 to 95 win team. I honestly, it, it would surprise me, but like, we're talking like surprise me, like, I'd give it a 30% chance that that's where they land, right? Like, it's not going to blow my mind. Um, I see a pretty good way for this team to be pretty much what they were last year, right? 89, 88 wins, squeak into the wild card, and cross your fingers from there. 
And I'll be honest, I can also see a pathway to this team being a 500 team, you know, like a couple injuries and things just don't go their way. So let's break it down here, Avery. I want you to give me your idea of how this team becomes a 92 to 95 win team. What has to go right, what you can see happening. And then what would need to happen for the floor to fall out of this thing? What would need to happen for this team to be an 82 win team? I The pretty simple explanation to be a 92, 95 win team is the three people who had the biggest fall-offs of all time just re of all time. <laughs> return to what how they were the year previous. So Vlad, we we get more than one win out of Vlad. We get a four win at least season out of him. Kirk remembers how to hit. He was awesome on defense. He made up for whatever value he could salvage last year because how good of his defense was. But this is a silver slugger guy. Does he have a chance to win a silver slugger again because Adley's in the league and some other hitters like that? Nope. He'll never do that again, I don't think. But he yeah. is a way better hitter. He was a bat first guy coming up. Every level he got to, he just ran through because he could hit. And then... Well, people forgot they brought him up in 2020 out of able. Like, yeah. like he could always hit. And he could hit big league pitching when he really probably had no business doing it. Yeah, so a guy who was hit first tool and developed into this awesome defender doesn't it didn't make sense that fall off and I'm I was not close to ready to give up on him at all and then we get a Alec Manoa some resemblance of 2 years ago. I don't think we will get that pitcher again this year. But I think he's way closer to that than he was what his shape was. Last Avery, season. are you happy with Alec Manoa if he gives you 150 innings and a four ERA? I think the team's happy with it. I think the you outcomes, see more, right? You you go going from getting Cy Young votes that high up and to then being happy with a four ERA. I I can't do it. I don't think I. If you look at it as a team wise. Sure, we would take it. The innings get eaten up and we get halfway. Like we get a chance to win at least with Alec Manoa like that. But he is not, he doesn't have the arsenal as a guy that gives you a chance to win. He gives you, he should give you a chance every single night, every time he takes the mound. That's how good he is. So as a fan, I'm not happy. If we were paying him free agent money, I'd want his head probably with that. But where we're at right now, I'd be fine. And I think Dalton Varsho takes a big step as well. That gets us to, 95 wins. I think him and Kiermaier, their production easily swaps this season. Avery, are you glad KK's back? I think it was easy to have him back. I I think we got lucky what with what his production was for a guy who consistently says, I don't want to play on turf. And he the only way he came back was to play on turf. Some other teams were seeing what he saw. Awesome defense, but I would have been happy with Dalton Varsho being the full-time yeah. center fielder. I think Dalton Varsho can't be too happy that he came back either. Probably loves the guy. He seems like an an yeah. awesome person, so I don't think he'd openly say to his buddies, oh, I'm kind of pissed about that, but center field should have been Dalton Varsho's to, to man this year. And I think it stopped from making some moves, potentially, too, as in, some guys who can mash in the outfield as well. It's, it was a little, I think it was a little early them signing him in based on where all the guys are going at this point as well. Cause he, he really said there wasn't that many teams after him. So I am, I am very surprised that he came back.
this team could wind up being a 500 team too. I know that oh, uh, it would be a nightmare scenario and I don't really, I, I, I'm honestly, man, Adam and I always joke on the show that we're all about toxic positivity because <laughs> try and knock the wind out of our sails. We always believe until we don't believe anymore, but I'm also not delusional and I can see how the, the floor could fall out of this thing. In your opinion, if this team winds up being a 500 team finishing fourth or fifth in the division, what just happened? Blatty performed like last season. Starting pitching is not close to as healthy as it was the year before. And classic bullpen regression happens. Left on base percentage normalities happen as well where just the guys aren't being stopped. The defense sucks somehow. I don't think that could happen. Like that's not the biggest things of possibilities, but that is the way this happens. And again, we're the ground ball merchants of Major League Baseball. That's how this team is 500. There has been some good things. The John Schneider quote about George Springer. They did lock him into the leadoff spot again, which I'm I'm fine with. But them saying George Springer needs to get back to him and pull the ball has me thinking that we're going in a better direction than not. Team is getting old. Uh, this is a huge year, though, because I I posed the the thing to Johnny. What if we? This is doom, total doomsday scenario. Team sucks this year, five hundred. Bobachet tells you, I'm not going to resign after this. Pound sand, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, who are we trading Bobachet to next offseason to get the biggest return? I think that's doomsday scenario, and I yeah. I will not want to be around for if that happens. Speaking of Obachet, yeah, two questions. Trade, trade him, trade Vlad, and go give every money you have to Juan Soto, and we start again. And <laughs> yeah. That's the only way I'm still wearing a Blue Jays jersey in 2025. Yes, and <laughs> him Juan Soto re-upping with the Yankees after we think he's a Blue Jay will be will be a tough day. For the we're all following the flight from <laughs> from Dominican to Toronto, oh, yeah. and we're like, Man. what do you mean? There's a layover. In How New is York? the Dragons Den on it again? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Bobochet, can you see him being even better than last year? I know it's a big ask, but 26 years old, coming into his prime. I think there's some power numbers to tap into still, and there's some stolen base numbers to tap into still. It makes no sense as a guy, as young as he is, to consistently get slower every single year when you think he should be in great shape. It looks... He looks very good, and they think that he's dropped like 15 pounds to get ready for the season. See, I wonder if that's what it was, because he it's not like he was ever in bad shape. If In fact, if anything, I think he came into 2023 bulked right up, and I think maybe that had something to do with his decrease in speed. I know because you looked at 2021, and I think he was something like 65 percentile, 54 percent or something like that in 2022 and then like just below average last year which yeah like you said for a 25 year old you're like what's going on <laughs> so i think maybe tap into some power we he is so good because of what he can do in any count right he fouls everything off but i'd almost be fine if he went vladdy mode uh, sorry it's not vladdy mode because vladdy swings at everything and so does boba <laughs> but if we attacked more damage in the zone for more swing and miss because he doesn't hit lead off. He doesn't need to get on base as often as he does where he's at. 
George Springer sets the table for him to then hit a double, I'd be happy as in that route instead of, hey, we're going to be Luis Arias and we're going to spray the ball around the yard as, as often as possible. Well, I, instead he, of a, a 310 batting average and hitting 25 home runs, let's see, 35 home runs and a 280. Yeah, I that is a very good baseball player in today's day and age. I yeah. think everyone would be happy with it. And then we still... Yeah. 12 bases and he puts up more wins than he did last year. So there there's a way for him to be, to be even better. And I, I'll be interested to see if he's smaller, if he's uh, faster as well, how the infield defense works through that because he, he did take a, he took a leap defensively. There was, I was talking, I wasn't actively talking about it, but there's a chance he would never do it. Cause it made no sense. He's not a free agent yet where you move him to second base because the shortstop defense had been so bad. But he kind of put those rumors to rest. He is a he is a big league shortstop with these with what he's able to do. That was my big prediction last year. Is I was like, I'm gonna step out on a limb here and say that Bo Bichette is an average major league shortstop in 2023. And oh man, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that's such a crazy thing to look back on that you had to say that he's gonna be yeah. decent at and had so many people losing their minds. <laughs> 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 no, I believe it. It was the numbers were bad before. There's there's no fixing that. And I he couldn't go to his right at all. And it was perfect because you just let Chapman take everything to his left instead. And now he finally fixed that. Okay, so before we move on to Danny Jansen and talking about a possible extension with him, I was curious your thoughts on surprise performances. Who on this team, whether it's in the bullpen, whether it's some of these young kids like a Horowitz, like a Davis Schneider, you know, like some of these guys where there's definite potential for them to take another step forward and surprise everyone. Who do you have your eye on and who can you see really helping this team in 2024? Oh, the, I don't think many of the young guys are going to get as big of a shot as we think right now. Mm hmm. I think David Schneider is the only one going to be penciled in for a lot of playing time. I am, I am all in on Dalton Varsho being maybe a thirty home run guy this season. I boy, that would be everything. That, I, that would like he was twenty last year. I don't. There's some swing decision stuff. There's way too many pop ups. But his batted ball profile as to what he wants to do with the balls that are up are the right decisions. So there's tweaks. I right decisions to hit home runs in my opinion they're pulled and they're in the air every time up so i think there it's there and he had 28 home runs two years ago it's not it's not like he's never even come close with the power numbers i'm i'm all in on matt hag finding a tweak to help dalton varsho be a very very good player this year i think people underestimate what a huge deal moving your entire life is too like as a comedian i have literally moved from edmonton to toronto from toronto to halifax from halifax to calgary and i can attest to the fact man that first six months after a move like good fucking luck trying to get your career in line forget about your whole life right like i think that just the life side of things is not going to be a concern in the least to Dalton this year. And I think it's going to make a big difference. I mean, fingers crossed. Cause like you said, man, if, if, if Dalton Varsho is a 30 home run guy, that solves a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'm stamping my flag on that. It might, it might come back to bite me, but I think <laughs> that that would be my big, if I had to make a guess, hot take Dalton Varsho has 30 home runs this year. <laughs> 
like it. Okay, we're getting along in the tooth here, so we will carry on. Danny Jansen, I know that it has been said that the Toronto Blue Jays and Danny Jansen's uh, agency has been in contact about an extension, but nothing has come to fruition. And I know that there's a lot of the fan base that is frustrated because, I mean, Danny Jansen, when you look at this team, he might be the best success story for internal development outside of Bo and Vlad, right? Like he's a guy who was drafted by the team, came up through the system, has been that guy who struggled at the plate, figured out his defense, figured out his bat, and it has just struggled staying on the field. And so I can, I understand people being like, well, why isn't he already locked up? And I, I, I'll let you uh, give your opinion on this, but I think a little bit it has to do with Danny Jansen also, right? Like as a guy who's been injured as much as he does, does it not make sense to maybe really dig your heels in on an extension after showing that you can stay on the field. Like, like honestly, maybe June's a better time for his agency to really dig in on an extension. Yeah. If you, the best thing to do with Danny Jansen is to take his two last seasons, put them together. And he is the best hitter of all time. But the He's problem Marcus is Simeon. <laughs> yeah. The problem is you have to add two seasons together to get a full plate of him playing games. I don't think I'm, I think he'd be shortchanging himself to take an extension right now, but you go three months into the season. He's healthy because everything Danny Jansen has done the past couple of years is hit pull side bombs all the time. And yeah. he's the one, the one guy that fans who get mad about the team hitting ground balls. He is addicted to hitting fly balls out of the <laughs> ballpark and people love him. He he's a dirtbag. He kind of personifies what this team wants to be. He's a gritty guy. He's behind the plate. He's getting, He's always injured because he's just getting hit with baseballs as being the catcher. I think he is an awesome guy for the DNA of this team, but I don't think it makes and any he's sense. he's a friend of the walk-off at gate 14. They don't he's get better a, than that. Yeah, he's he's the best <laughs> ever. I don't think anyone could say anything bad about Danny Jansen. I'd be, he'd be the first guy to leave where I'd be very, very disappointed and be mad at the team that they weren't able to get something done. But you could understand if the guy's, Asking for, I don't think he'd ask for a ton of money as well. So I think we get a Jano extension after he's very good the first three months and he is healthy. So for those people who are frustrated with Atkins and Shapiro for not already having it done, I mean, the truth of the matter is it takes two to tango, right? That's probably what the deal is here. It yeah, makes who, more sense for Jano. Who has just... any clue what his value would be right now based on how little he's playing each season? Danny Jansen is like the only appealing option of free agent catchers next year, though. That is that is fair. There's It'll be twenty nine and a half. Everybody else is like thirty two or older, and there might be a market for Danny Jansen. I mean, well, I don't know I, what he's going to get, but there should be a good market for his services. Who I'm just saying, I'd have no idea what the dollar figure would be. Yeah. He, Teams have zero good catchers, and we're lucky to have two. But boy, do we ever love taking that for granted? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you you'd think these guys were committing crimes. How bad people seem to hate them. Okay, okay. Let's, I just want to take this as an example. Sean Murphy, twenty eight years old, six years, seventy three million. That's a twelve ish AAV. Could Danny Jansen come close to that? 
I would give Danny Jansen like eight to ten. I'd be eight to ten, six years. Yeah. And I'm I am the worst contract person in the world. I will never say I'm good at giving dollar figures. I cannot do it. But oh man, fans, we're terrible at that. So we're all <laughs> yeah. We fantasy. don't work in the front office. What do I know? I thought a Med Rosario was worth $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Avery. Honestly, dude, we really appreciate you being so generous with your time, man. It's been really fun talking baseball. We'll close things up here with just talking about the knuckleball. R.A. Dickey in spring training right now. The Blue Jays actually signed Jordan Powell in the offseason here. He's a knuckleballer. So he's the first knuckleballer in the system in years. Are you a knuckleball guy? I like anything that's kind of weird. So it was he the guy who came from San Diego or no, I forget. No, he so he from. was he was on the um uh independent scene. Oh, okay. Independent yeah. Oh, and this is the guy I remember because there's a San Diego Padres player who the pitcher who was actually decent and just mixed in a knuckleball as well. And there was a Orioles guy who's now uh without yeah. a job who was also a knuckleballer. I think it's fun just and when the when a, someone throws a splitter that doesn't spin a lot either, and it's close enough to a knuckleball. I think that's really cool. But it's nice to see R.A. Dickey back in the in the mix a little bit. Agreed. I, I mean, I loved Dickey. I mean, he's behind my shoulder here. But uh, <laughs> what was your thought on R.A. Dickey's time in Toronto? Because I know that there's a lot of fans who really lean on, oh, and that was Anthopolis's one bad move. How could they move Thor? But I mean, if you look at the innings Dickie pitched, dude, he pitched fucking 800 innings <laughs> in the four years he was with the team. Like, hey, where do we get those 800 innings? Like, what was your thought on R.A. Dickey and his tenure with the Jays? Yeah, it, it just kind of piggybacks off of what Mark Burley was able to do. When you need people who can just throw forever and it helps your bullpen, it helps the other starters as well. I'll look back on it. Not glowingly is his time here, but I'll I wasn't watching baseball in the way I watch it now. I was watching baseball as, oh, this is fun to watch. I enjoy at seven o'clock. I'm not gonna go on Twitter and be mad about what things are happening, but I'll call into Mike Wilner and he'll he'll rip into me for whatever stupid thing I say. So <laughs> right. I I won't uh yeah, I'm all right, Dickie. I think he was a fun blue jay. Never ever worried about his stats. Uh, in my time watching that baseball. He was such a weird guy to watch because he was just an absolute joy to watch in July. And if you had to sit through an R.A. Dickey April game, well, uh, <laughs> I pity you because yeah. they were never pretty. Like the amount of, uh, honestly, and I was looking this up. Uh, so out of his, his tenure with the Blue Jays, three of the four years from 2012 to 2016, his April ERA was above six. Just to put it in perspective, the time he spent with Toronto, all of his ERAs were right around four. So think about like how good he got and then how bad he was to start the season and to end. That was the other thing. As soon as it started to get cold in September, well, all right, Dickie sucks again. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of the Lourdes Guriel thing where, <laughs> he couldn't get going until the middle of the season, but your outputs being based on weather in a sport that's played outside is such a crazy thing to think about when you look at baseball from a different view. Because imagine your fastball doesn't work in Detroit early in the season. 
how can you give someone like that money when you're only good for two, three <laughs> months of the season? And it, I'm sure the home splits were pretty bad too. And they, they closed the dome as well. So yeah. anytime there was bad weather at home, it's like, Oh yeah, he's, he's not going to be good today. We're going to have to go score some runs. Yeah. All right, Avery. Just a pleasure, my friend. Thank, thank you so, so much. much, man. Honestly. Oh, thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. Uh, everyone listening, you already know Gate 14, but if for some crazy reason you've been living under a rock, check them out, getting some incredible guests and just a really fun listen. Uh, Avery and Johnny, obviously just podcasters extraordinaire. Again, my friend, we'll twist your arm to get you to come back maybe a little later in the season once Ball's actually going here. But, We'd love uh, to be back. It's been a pleasure, man. We'd love to be right back. On. Thanks, Cheers. fellas.